0: This is Dan Fagella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. We continue our theme this month in this month of December on the competitive advantage of artificial intelligence in business. And Our guest this week is Babak Hojat, who is previously the uh, founder and chief scientist at Sentient Technology, one of the first AI firms to raise big nine-figure rounds out in the Bay Area. He's also now the VP of Evolutionary AI at Cognizant, which is one of the world's largest IT services firms. And Bobik speaks with us this week about his take on how businesses can gain a competitive edge when it comes to artificial intelligence. And a lot of his advice has to do with how business leadership thinks about getting started with AI in the first place. Where are the critical kind of locus points within a business where we should have the AI conversation and how should we frame it so that our initial implementations or initial efforts actually yield a competitive edge. He believes that that even having that conversation the right way will lead some enterprises to have an advantage over others. And I certainly tend to agree. This was a a chock full episode, a lot of excellent insights, and I hope you folks get a lot out of this. I've mentioned it before in one of our previous episodes, but I want to call it out again. We have a lot of folks who tune into these episodes to listen in for the use cases. Bobic certainly goes into some good ones in the insurance sector in this episode. Um, If you're interested in finding fruitful AI use cases within your sector, make sure to download our free guide which is called How to Find Trends in Any Sector. It's actually three ways to discover AI trends in any sector. And you can find that at Emerge.com slash T3. That's E-M-E-R-J dot com slash T3. So if you're looking to find fruitful use cases in your sector, that would be a great place to start. When it comes to thinking about where some of those opportunities lie and how to prioritize them, I hope that this episode will be super useful. So without further ado, this is Bobic with Cognizant here on AI and Industry. So, Babak, we will kind of kick off this series with the same question that we've been opening for all of our guests this month, which is really how AI can be leveraged for a competitive advantage in business. How do you like to think about that and explain it to leaders?
1: If you are running a business, you already have a view of what your objectives are for your business. And if you can actually define them, then you can build an AI that can optimize To those objectives. So the challenge usually for businesses is how they define the objectives. And they're usually more than one. Uh, You're never only, for example, going for revenue. You're going usually for margins, more sales, could be larger customer base. You also have other objectives that might be on the ethical side, it might be on the bias, like no bias side, and so forth. And this is just one part of your business that you're looking at. And so, you know, it really comes down to defining and codifying the objectives and, you know, then leave it up to the AI uh, experts to build the AI system that can optimize towards those objectives. And if you do that well, then you have a leg up over your competitors. Yeah. So that's, that's usually the way I look at it. You do get pretty good improvements simply because you now have a data-driven approach to optimizing towards those objectives rather than experience-driven or intuition-driven or we've always been doing it this way, therefore we will continue doing it this way. And that gives you an edge as well.
0: Got it. So you talk about kind of defining these core objectives and then being able to weave AI, I guess, into that conversation. I would presume that there's sort of some strategic thinking into getting an enterprise to sort of really hash out that dialogue like you said there is a lot of this is the way we've always done it and it's really hard to figure out where the floor is for that this is how we've always done it you could almost kind of take that to an infinite degree when you see companies that do this well in other words they, they take those objectives they take the capabilities of ai and they have a strategic process to really find where that competitive value is you know what does that look like in the real world when it's actually done well
1: Yeah. I mean, the first step, though, is to identify those areas where you are making the most impactful decisions in your business. And so what we see is often that AI is relegated down to, oh, it can provide me more insights in a certain area, or it can do better on the models that I'm already building. And what I would like for a business to do is forget about your conception of what ai can do for you think about what you are doing and you know where your most impactful decision making is and define it once you define it the whole point in ai is you define the problem and it will give you the solution and the biggest challenge is in fact how you you know non ambiguously and very clearly define the problem for the ai
0: yeah there's a lot of challenge in just that. We could do a whole podcast series on that topic alone, uh, Bobic, I'm sure. But maybe we could take this to the level of an example because I think this would be really helpful yeah. for folks. You're talking about a, a kind of a theme here around identifying where are our kind of most powerful leverage points in terms of where we make decisions. So what are the, the decision areas that drive the most value? Kind of a fuzzy topic, but I see where you're going. Is there a way to boil this down to an example of a hypothetical business or a real business? No, where- I'll give
1: you a real example. Oh, sure. Okay, great. so. Yeah, I'm talking to an insurance company and at the table, respectfully listening to what they think, where they think they can use AI. And what they're telling me is, look, if only I could predict risk, you know, three months out on a property that I'm insuring, then I can do all sorts of different things. So I turn this around and I'm like, okay, you want to predict risk, but why are you predicting this risk? Oh, because I want to make a call on whether or not to underwrite a certain property. Okay, uh, you want to underwrite the property. What is your goal? What are the objectives around underwriting the property? Well, I want to minimize my risk while maximizing the chances of actually winning this deal while maximizing my revenue, obviously, and minimizing costs. Okay, I was just able to get a pretty clear definition of what is the most impactful decision making that this insurance company is going through on a daily basis. Now, who's making these decisions? These are underwriters that are, you know, get a property. They go and review it, Google it, look at the history, look at all sorts of different things, do a street view. Are there forests around it? You know, is there a risk of fire? Blah, blah, blah. And they make a call. And, you know, really, depending on the underwriter, you get a different decision there. Okay, they've captured more than 200,000 such decisions for different properties per year. And they do have the outcomes of those decisions and those outcomes that I mentioned. You know, what, what ended up being the risk on this property? How much did we make on it? How much did we spend on it? And, you know, even in cases where they actually put a policy in front of someone and that someone, you know, the property owner rejected, they have captured that data. Awesome. The, I can build an AI system around this that now will give the underwriter, for every given property, will give the underwriter a sort of set of recommendations. Yes, underwrite, or no, don't underwrite. Underwrite it with this kind of a policy, at this kind of a premium. And, you know, if you do this, if you listen to me, then with 85% certainty, I can tell you that the customer is going to buy the insurance from you, and your risk on this property is going to be relatively low if measured after three months or six months. So that's very, very concrete and real. And of course, I will also allow for the underwriter to deviate. The underwriter can take a look and go, ah, you know what? I'll change the premium from 80K to 50K and I think I'll still be fine. Great, go ahead and do that. And in three months, we'll see you know, whether you were right. If you were right, the AI gets better because we'll take that information into consideration. And if the AI was right, now you trust the AI more next time you make the decision. Got it. Okay. So let
0: me know if I'm nutshelling this right, and then I'll build off of what you've just said here. So I think it's really helpful to to have an example, and I appreciate that. Um, Insurance is definitely an exciting space when it comes to uh, applying AI. So you're talking about to the business leaders here in insurance about what their priorities are. And then what you're sort of doing here is when it comes to predicting risk, you're figuring out, well, where's the decision point where that risk is actually predicted where we could improve? It sounds like that was the exercise you went through to some degree.
1: Yeah. I want to know why you want this insight on risk.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what will it enable for you? What will you... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, what is going to be the ultimate business value? From there, you boil down to the point where the decision is made. So where is the critical yes or no or clauses inputted? Then you went to that level. So we talk about priorities. We talk about a big why and then we talk about where's the decision inflection point that we can start to optimize like like at that point in the process would you say that that, that might be a good lens to think through for the audience as well
1: i think so absolutely i mean don't shy away from dis- identifying the critical decision loops in your business another insurance company I was talking to, I'm. It's not all insurance companies we work with, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just a different example is they were like, yeah, when two cars get in a crash, we have to do subrogation, and the most critical decision here is which investigator we assign to which crash, to go and recover, you know, the claim money or whatever it is. So the decision is, in fact, in how we assign an investigator. I mean, it's it might be something that people don't even think about as far as like AI could, could actually help here. But yeah, AI can help. AI can actually look at the history of the assignments that have been made and, you know, who is more expert in where, just given the outcomes that we're trying to optimize and make the assignments automatically or at least give you some uh insights into or recommendations as to how to make those assignments. So yeah, I I think sometimes it's surprising what you come up with when you actually think of it that way.
0: I like this lens, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this, and we'll talk about kind of the foundations that will set people up for a competitive advantage, but I'm going to poke into this example. So we can, we can kind of go through what the strategic priorities are. We can ask the whys. We can really weight the different business value of these different, I guess, outcomes and improvements that businesses are looking for, and then we can find these decision inflection points, and then, of course, we can assess – whether or not, or to what degree, AI could be applied. I'm sure there are some business inflection points that are astronomically easier and more quantifiable, more harmonized kind of access to data and processes than others. But from there, I guess we can make some decisions. I, I can kind of see this two ways. On the one hand, you know, an insurance business doing a better job of predicting risk by looking at all the different kind of assumptions and decisions that were made and which ones played out well, which ones did not play out well, and kind of come up with a bounding box of. You know, best practices that can evolve over time and, and sort of programmatically help the rest of their underwriters. Let's just say we're talking about underwriting, because a tremendous amount of the AI uh, investment in, in insurance right now is underwriting. Let's just say that's the case. I could see someone arguing like, all right, well, you know, probably all insurance firms are going to level up what they're doing statistically with more machine learning and more data sources and sort of trying to get to a deeper level of granularity. Everybody's going to try to be, you know, kind of like a, an audience of one for marketing. Everybody's going to try to be an underwriter for one. Is that a long-term moat? that this business could tangibly use to differentiate from Geico or Allstate? Or is this just all the tides are rising and there might not necessarily be a real advantage there? Is there a way to take this strategy you're articulating and make it something that would help us pull away from the competition maybe even more? Or is simply staying the head of the curve of AI maybe even good enough in that regard? I'm interested in your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I don't think too many people are actually looking at it that way. And so I think right now it is a differentiator Ah, if you actually look at AI as something that helps you with your critical decision-making, not just providing new insights. In the presence of insights, making a decision is not that easy or trivial, especially if that decision is to meet a balance of a number of different outcomes, not just one. And so most of what I see out there is people either looking from the data up. So they're going, well, I've collected all this data. What can I do with it? Or what patterns are in here? Or looking at their incumbent models up. So in other words, I've been using a lot of statistical-based models so far for whatever I'm predicting, and now I want to see if AI can help me with that. And those are very incremental improvements that AI can bring, and everybody's looking at them. What I don't see is looking at it from the other side. What is my vision of an AI-enabled business and where it can impact? And rather than looking at it from, you know, our perspective of what AI can do for us, I think looking at it from the perspective of how can I define a problem that AI can solve for me right now, I don't think too many people are looking at it that way. And in a lot of cases, they kind of presume that the actual decision making is something that the humans will end up doing exclusively in the presence of more insights. And I think that that, change will provide a differentiation to whoever views it that way got it yeah
0: so what you're saying is there's a competitive advantage to simply understanding how to strategically think about ai and apply it to the right places because that that's not going to be baseline normal for most insurance companies most manufacturers most retailers for quite some time so being able to absolutely to do that well
1: now is big that's right. It, it does take a little bit of a leap of faith. The fact is there is some trust that you have to have in the AI. And so, I mean, of course, the challenge is also for us AI practitioners to make sure that our AI systems are trustworthy or win the trust of the decision makers. But there is that leap of faith that's prohibitive. And I think that's something that gradually will change as people adopt these systems more and more, people will start trusting them more and and it will be more acceptable. But today, you know, if you're a business owner, you know, it's your domain, it's your expertise, you've been doing it this way for a very long time. And it's kind of a little harder for you to accept that an AI system can augment your decision making.
0: Got it. Okay, so I like this takeaway. Hopefully, this is salient for the audience. I think certainly this is beyond where most C-suites are when it comes to thinking about AI, at least today, if we freeze time. Final little question about the insurance example here. I had asked a previous guest a similar question, and I'm going to do the same with you just to kind of keep up the, the pace for the audience and try to build on this core idea. There is a bit of an idea that sort of there's going to be a lot of pockets of business where people can create kind of a mini Google or a mini Amazon. Here's what I mean. What I mean is, let's just say that you know let's use the insurance example. A company that really pulls ahead in terms of collecting data on, let's just I'm going to use a niche here. So we'll talk about motorcycle insurance, really pulls ahead in terms of motorcycle insurance in the United States. They really calibrate their risk models astronomically well so that their pricing is extremely competitive. Their risk predictions are extremely strong, and they're able to onboard a ton more people because they're using so many more data sources. The idea here, is that you get to a point where just like with Amazon, you kind of wouldn't go anywhere else for e-commerce because like if you're just going to go Christmas shopping, they're going to have the best recommendations, you know, the best experience. You're just going to go there. The goal would be to achieve the same thing where your pricing would be so much better that people would continually now do business with you because they now do more business with you you now get more data and then you improve even more. And now all of a sudden your Google and your search engine algorithm is so much better than everybody else's and they can't even catch up because now you get most of the interactions. The idea is that the same dynamic of that flywheel of like, An almost uncrossable moat could be created in these niches in different businesses. Do you see this as a lens worth thinking through for an insurance firm that might have some pockets where they could do something like that? Or do you think that maybe that's a bit of a misconception in the enterprise? I'd love your take on this.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, it has the potential of becoming a virtuous cycle. As you AI enable, you're collecting data that's more valuable to your AI and you're improving your AI. And by virtue of all of this, you're improving on the objectives that you're solving for and you break away from, from the pack. Absolutely. I think that's that's definitely a potential here. Now, there are reasons why smaller companies, startups might be able to do this in a much more agile manner than large companies but there's also other reasons why it's slower especially for example when it comes to insurance there are regulatory reasons why you know people aren't quite using ai to its full potential and you know that in my humble opinion that does need to change and it will change as we go forward because the value that we get from these systems are so huge that the regulator will have to come around to accepting some uh, regulation changes to allow for it, to uh, fulfill it.
0: Yeah. Well, this takes us to our final question. So we're going to wrap right up on this, uh, Bobic, but I'd love your take. And the final question is, what can business leaders do now to set themselves up for that competitive advantage? And I think a lot of what you're talking about now is sort of what you might lean into about this kind of cultural change and readiness. What do you think is really required there? You mentioned, hey, stuff has to change. What are those things that maybe are under the control of enterprises and bigger businesses that that they they could change what's going to help them set up to be the ones that that win when companies really start getting an edge with AI
1: yeah i think agility is important i think sandboxing is very very important i've been an advocate of sandboxing and inviting for example an opt-in subset of your users as well as the regulator and creating an ecosystem in which you actually use the ai And of course, it gives you a chance to kind of, you know, polish it and make it work, gives the regulator a chance to be able to come up with regulation that's in pace with the technology and uh, allow you to get, uh, you know, the advantage that you're looking for. But in my opinion, everything starts with, you know, defining what your most impactful decision making is and, you know, being able to codify that clearly and working back from there. That's where I think the priority should be versus again, like let's just incrementally improve on what we've always been doing yeah. uh, already, or you know pigeonhole the AI down into what we believe it can do. AI can do much more. As long as you can actually define the problem for it, it can solve it for you.
0: So, um, a bold statement there, but I know what you mean. Certainly, there's a, a bigger bounding box than maybe most people's first impressions would permit. I, I just want to clarify what you meant by a sandbox. I think a lot of people are going to want to take action on, on your ideas here. You talked about being an advocate for sandboxing. Maybe Maybe you could articulate that as just our closeout point, so people can maybe try to do a bit of that themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, sandboxing within a company is a bit harder, but there are you know government sanctioned sandboxing that's happening, especially in the financial industry. For example, with you know what uh, Singapore is doing right now, that's a really good model where they do bring in you know larger companies, smaller startups, the regulator, and uh, a small ecosystem is built that's contained. And opt-in for the users, and they start there before they sort of uh, rolled it out entirely. And I think that is larger than a single company could do, but it is a good model to look at.
0: Well, there's probably some some lesson that companies could take to sort of create a bounding box for an experiment. It sounds like what you're articulating is like a, a much more advanced version of a proof of concept, where we're really going to kind of incubate Yeah, yeah, really really, kind of incubate an idea with a certain set of people who maybe know what they're getting into, and we can really test a lot of hypotheses in an environment before rolling it out. That is a skill set that I think a lot of enterprises are not used to, but to your point, I think a lot more of them are going to need to as we roll forward in in this next era of AI. So, Bobic, I I know that that's all that we have for time, but I sincerely appreciate you jumping on and sharing your insights here on AI and Industry. So thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. So that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Bobik talking about really sort of focusing the initial AI conversation around those critical decision points. I really like that lens and frame and set of steps that were brought up. Uh, in next week's episode, we start not so much with points of decision, but we start with where AI is getting traction. Our guest next week Uh, walks through how to look at where AI is already seeing a lot of progress, a lot of traction in different business sectors, and using that as a jump-off point to gain competitive advantage. Kind of a different angle. You're going to have to tune in next week to see who the guest is, uh, but make sure you do so, and I look forward to catching you here next Tuesday on AI and Industry.